If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful era of Shabbos. Great to be with you once again to spend some time to look at the Parsha and try and understand what this Parsha is going to teach us. Torah is our life. And it's a Torah that we look every single week to try and understand what is being told to us. Life goes on. Life changes. There are so many lessons that we have to learn. We don't remain static. We don't remain still. There are so many situations of life. And it's a Torah that we look how to react, how to choose, how to understand what the moment is telling us, what the moment is teaching us. Torah tells us how to understand the moment, how to look at the moment, to know the moment, to see the moment, to understand the moment, to know what to do, how to live the moment properly. And it's a very special Shabbos. The Shabbos is Shabbos Chazak. We come to the end of the book of Horatius, the book of Genesis. We finish, we conclude the book of Genesis. Next week we start the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot. In actual fact, in Shul on Shabbos at Mincha, we begin reading the very first portion, the first section of the book of Shemot. And we make the transition from Genesis to Exodus. And every time we transition from one Sefer, from one book in Torah to another, we call out Chazak, Chazak, Benit Chazek. We have to strengthen ourselves and strengthen each other. Because moving from one level in holiness to another level, to a higher level, we have to strengthen ourselves because we lose a certain amount of spiritual energy when we leave a comfortable spiritual energy. We have been involved in the book of Genesis for a number of weeks. We began with creation. We saw the story of the flood. We saw the story of Noah. We lived with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with the 12 tribes. We've seen so much. We've taken so much. We've been uplifted with all the wonderful stories and the wonderful lessons in the book of Genesis. But now we move on. We come to the end of Genesis, and we know that we are leaving this particular comfortable area. And when, as I said, we leave a comfortable area spiritually, we have to strengthen ourselves. We are now entering a new dimension. And when we enter a new dimension, there is a certain amount of insecurity. There is the unknown. What are we entering into? What will the book of Shemot, what will the book of Exodus actually teach me? How will I actually move from one level to the higher level? And this is why we call out Chazak, Chazak, Benit Chazek. We mustn't worry. We mustn't become insecure. We must strengthen ourselves because we are actually moving from one level to a higher level. And this is why as we stand in Shul together, united, we call out Chazak, Chazak, Benit Chazek. We strengthen ourselves and we strengthen each other. And we do so because we move from one situation to another situation, but not only from one spiritual level to another spiritual level, but because we know that we are moving from a story of greatness. The Jewish people are now in a position of strength. Joseph is the leader in the land of Egypt. And as we come into the book of Exodus, we know that the Jewish people are going to be enslaved by Pharaoh, whether he's a new king or a king who forgot 
the wealth, the benefits that Joseph brought to his country, he's going to enslave the Jewish people. And we become somewhat worried, somewhat distressed. How is it possible that this people who shone, who gave so much to the land of Egypt, how is it possible that they are going to be enslaved, to be treated so badly? And we have to say, Chazak, strengthen yourself, because even though the story takes this turn from glory to difficulty, we say, don't be distressed. Chazak, as I'll soon explain. The name of the parsha, the last parsha in the book of Genesis, Vayechi. And he lived. Who lived? Jacob lived. The last 17 years of his life, he lived in the land of Egypt. And as all the commentaries ask the question, how can we call this Parsha Vayechi and Jacob live? It's a Parsha that speaks about his death, not about his life. It's the last moments of his life. It's the last time that we are going to live with Jacob. In fact, the entire Parsha, in one way or another, talks about that which he does before he physically leaves this world. Why is the Parsha called Vayechi? And he lived. It reminds us of the Parsha of Chaye Sarah. When Sarah passed away, the Parsha is called the Light of Sarah, and then we explain why, in fact, that portion is called the Light of Sarah. But here, too, we talk about Vayechi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim, and he lived in the land of Egypt. He lived there for 17 years. And some commentaries point out that the number 17 has the numerical value of Tok. Some Commentaries point out that this, in fact, was the best years. They were the best years of his life. He was reunited with his son Joseph, and he saw in his son Joseph a tremendous sense of not only great physical and material success, but that he remained loyal to the teachings that he saw in his father's house. And there's a story that's told about the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, when he was a child, he came into his grandfather, the first Rebbe, the one who wrote the Tanya, and he asked his grandfather, how is it possible that Jacob Yaakov lived the best years of his life in a land like Egypt, the most decadent land in all the world? And his grandfather answered, because prior to their coming down, he sent Judah to establish places of Torah learning. And when you come in even to the most dark places, to the most challenging places, a place that is known for its decadence, and yet you have the strength and the courage to study Torah and to use the opportunity of Torah and to live a life with loyalty to God and His commandments, even in those dark places you transform the darkness into light, and they can be the best years of your life. And this is something which the Parsha is going to talk about, Vayechi, Yaakov lived. And our sages tell us something which is quite strange. The Talmud tells us something which is, well, quite fascinating. It says, Yaakov of Binulomet. Yaakov never died. And then it asks the obvious question, what do you mean he didn't die? He was eulogized. He was buried. What do you mean he didn't die? And it says that as his children are alive, so too is he alive. 
but the question can be asked, can that be said about everybody and anybody? Anybody whose children are alive, can't you say that they're alive as well? What's so special that we say that Jacob Ovino, the patriarch Jacob, the great Jacob, didn't die because his children are alive? Anybody whose children are alive, you can say that they too are alive. What does it mean that we emphasize that Jacob is alive because, well, his children are alive? And this is why this parish is going to give us an insight into what it means that Yaakov is alive and what does it mean that his children are alive. It doesn't mean that they are simply physically alive, obviously. It doesn't mean they simply carry on physically living after their father has passed on. We're talking about a different type of life. We're talking about a life which reflects the legacy, and the life of Jacob. The question is, how did they manage to continue living the type of life that Yaakov established? How was it possible for the children to continue living the type of life that Jacob lived? Jacob is one of the three patriarchs, not only one of the three patriarchs, but the chosen of the patriarchs. How did he manage to convey to his children that type of commitment that they carried on with what he lived with, with what he stood for, with what he believed in. How was it possible that he taught his children this message? More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how did Yaakov manage to educate his children that they lived the type of life that fully enabled Yaakov to continue living forever. Let's take a look at this Parsha. And let's take a look at what, in fact, the bulk of the Parsha is all about. Yes, the beginning is about how Yaakov asks his son Joseph to ensure that he's not buried in the land of Egypt and brought back to the Machpelah cave where his father and grandfather are buried. But let's take a look at what the bulk of the Parsha is all about. The bulk of the Parsha deals with the blessings that Yaakov gave his sons prior to his death. And they're not simple blessings. They're very unique and special blessings. And each blessing is tailor-made specifically to the personality of each of his 12 sons. Now that is something which is extraordinary. We don't find by Abraham that he really blessed his son Yitzchak. And even when Yitzchak Isaac blesses his son Yaakov, it's more of a general blessing of goodness, material and spiritual goodness, etc., etc. But when Yaakov comes to bless his 12 sons, each son gets a blessing that is based upon a powerful, dramatic, and highly unique individual description of the personality of that individual. In other words, Yaakov had tremendous insight into each one of his children and knew precisely what their personality was all about. It wasn't that he had 12 great sons, he did. 
It wasn't that he had 12 sons that ultimately became the heads of the tribes of Israel, that they did. He had tremendous insight into the specific personality and the unique identity of each one of his sons. And when he began to bless them, he addressed that particular personality. Now, very often parents might think that they know their children. And very often parents perhaps do know their children. But how many parents have the courage and the strength and the wisdom to look at a child and to talk to that child with language and with terms and with love that speaks specifically to the personality of that child? You know, most parents want to in some way, in some, well, mistaken sense of fairness, mistaken sense of equality, address all children equally, which might sound good, but it's terribly wrong. Children have to be understood individually, because while, of course, there are great similarities between children that grow up in the same home, same parents, very often children are very different one from another. And each child has to be understood specifically and uniquely in order to be raised properly, to be shown precisely what they should do and how they should develop their lives. What in fact are their strengths? What in fact are their weaknesses? To address those strengths, to make the child understand how to take their strengths and make them grow, and how to understand their weaknesses and to deal with those weaknesses. To understand their total personality and to work with their total personality. And very often, parents simply, either because of, well, as I said before, a mistaken sense of fairness or equality, or because they simply don't know. They don't address the uniqueness of each and every single child. Perhaps deep within their minds and hearts, they know it, but often don't have the courage to talk to each child individually. What does Jacob tell us? Jacob tells us, look at every single child and know who that child is. And you won't be doing that child any favors by not talking to the specific identity of that child. Reuven is not Shimon, and Shimon is not Levi, and Levi is not Yehuda, and Yehuda is not Issachar, etc., etc., etc. And as we take a look at the blessings of each child, of each one, of Jacob's children, we begin to understand the uniqueness of each one of those sons and how each tribe developed into the particular identity that was unique to them. This is the blessing that he gave his children. Something strange happened when he wanted to bless his children. In actual fact, he wanted to reveal to them when Mashiach would come. 
He wanted to tell them the great secret of when Mashiach would come. But just prior to telling them, this knowledge, this divine prophecy was taken from him. For whatever reason, our sages talk about why it was taken. Why they weren't privileged to be told this incredible secret. But what did he tell them? As I said, he told them who they were. Now there is something hugely redeeming in knowing who you are. There is something incredibly liberating in knowing who you are. As you've often heard me say, there's a saying from the sages, there is nothing more liberating, nothing more liberating than clarity. Once you are absolutely certain and clear about a situation, you know precisely which direction you should be going in, what your goal is, what you have to aspire for. That is the ultimate joy in life. Ein simcha ki is there is no greater joy than the removal of doubt. In any situation, whether it's business, whether it's relationship, in any single situation where there is doubt, where there is confusion, where there is uncertainty, there is a sense of, well, despair. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going in the right direction? Am I making the right choices? Is this the right thing for me to do? Etc., etc., etc. But where there is clarity, it's liberation. It's freedom. The lights are on. The road is clear. It is something which enables the individual to go forward with clarity and with certainty because the goal is outlined perfectly. This is what Jacob gave his children. He said to them, I cannot reveal to you the moment when Mashiach will come. But what I can tell you is who you are, what your goal in life should be, and how to get there. And that, too, is the secret of liberation. That clarity, that certainty, that knowledge, that knowing yourself is so liberating, is so freeing, that it is, in a sense, almost equal to knowing when Mashiach will come. So many children, so many people grow up in life, and they dedicate their lives to certain vocations, to certain jobs, to certain professions, and along the way they realize, what have I done with my life? I don't even like what I'm doing. This doesn't fit my personality at all. And they recall that somewhere in high school, perhaps early in their, well, early in their educational development, somebody told them, this is what you should do, or that's what you should do. Or perhaps family business, or perhaps my parents told me what to do, without thinking, is this right for me? Is this right for this individual? Does this fact, does this in fact actually apply to the particular skills and personality traits that this individual possesses? This is what Jacob is teaching us. And this is why it says, Mazaro Bachayim, Apu Bachayim, as his children are alive. What does he communicate to his children? Not only does he give them a set of values, 
not only, not only does he implore them to continue with the dedication to Torah and mitzvahs that he had, but he says, live it the way I lived it, but live it the way that you can with particular personality that you have. And he taught them how to do it. And this is why they lived life to the fullest. And therefore, therefore, they lived the legacy of Jacob. They show that he is alive. That he is alive in the fullest sense of the word. Not only because they're alive, he is alive. But because they're alive with what he taught them and what he showed them, his living presence takes on a completely different dimension of vibrancy. It takes on a passion and greatness where everyone who sees the children of Jacob knows these are Jacob's children. Jacob taught them. Jacob educated them. Jacob showed them who they are. Not only are they fulfilling the values of Jacob's life, but they are doing it in a way that indicates who they are as well, what their personalities are, what their individual identities are. They're doing it with a sense of clarity, with a sense of joy, with a sense of passion. It's a combination of who they are and what Jacob stood for, and everyone knows this is the legacy of Jacob. This is the way he educated his children. This is the way he raised his children. This is the way he taught his children. And therefore, as they are alive, he is alive. And this is Vayechi. This is Jacob living. This is the way that he lived. And we're being told this because this is the way we have to aspire to teach, to educate to raise our children. It's not easy. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage, first of all, to, well, address each one of our children differently and to have the courage to point out to them, this is you, and this is you, and this is you, and you're not all the same. You can be very different one from another. Yes, you have similarities. And yes, you can all sit around the same table and enjoy the unity that a family possesses, but each and every one of you has something specific, individual to contribute. And each and every one of you must live your life with the particular gifts that you possess, with the greatness that each and every one of you has. You have skills, you have greatness, you have identity that is unique to you. And if you want to truly respect your forebears, if you truly want to respect where you come from, be who you are with the values of your forebears, of your parents, your grandparents and great parents. This is by Yechi Yaakov, and he lived because his children fully lived. So does he. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the genius of Jacob, Yaakov's parenthood, the ability to recognize the individual personality of each child, to bless them accordingly, to address those qualities, to teach them how to enhance the qualities of life and how to deal with with their shortcomings, to make them living creatures that not only live life to the fullest with the values of Jacob, but reflect who Jacob was in the fullest possible way. So as I said, Vayechi, 
Yaakov lives. Why does Yaakov live? Because he knows. He raised those sons in a particular sort of way, which enables him to continue living. Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov Avinu didn't die. And this is why at the end of the Parsha we call out Chazak, Chazak, as I said at the beginning. Because now the Jewish people have been blessed by their father. They understand who they are. There's clarity in their lives. There is a vision that is absolutely certain. They have a goal. They know exactly what's going to happen. But we know as well that there are dark clouds ahead. A time of slavery. A king who's going to forget what Joseph did for the land and for the people of Egypt. We see a people who, well, at the moment, they're wealthy. But very soon they're going to be enslaved. But it's not going to end with slavery. After a while they're going to be liberated. There will be exodus. So while we know the story, we also know that there's going to be that cycle. The very people that are enjoying a life of tremendous comfort and wealth right now are going to descend into a life of tremendous challenge, of difficulty, of pain, of slavery. And this is why we say, Chazak, Chazak, Benit Chazak. This is what Jacob tells his sons. I'm giving you the knowledge of life, not only so that you can live life to the fullest and to reflect the values that I stand for, but that you should have the ability of recognizing that you have the strength to withstand any type of challenge that comes along, no matter how difficult, no matter how great. Yes, you will be thrown into a situation where you as a people will have to suffer the incredible pain and indignity of slavery. But you know who you are. You know where you come from. You know what you are. They cannot crush your spirit. They cannot crush your soul. Yes, they will hurt your body. Yes, they will make you physically uncomfortable. But they cannot crush your spirit and they cannot crush your soul. Because you know who you are. As I say so often, look at the Jewish people. Look at our history. Look what they've tried to do to us and look at us today. We are here. We represent those people who have lived throughout the ages. We stand by that which we believe in. Because the blessings that Jacob gave his sons are as real today as they were then. Because he taught them who they are. And this continues. And this becomes the great legacy. The great responsibility. The great duty and the great privilege of parented children. Teach your children again and again and again who they are. When you tell them who they are. Make sure that you talk to them about their souls as well as about their bodies. Yes, they have minds. Yes, they have hearts. Yes, they have skills. Yes, they have abilities. Yes, they have to make it in the physical world. But yes, they have to make it spiritually as well. Don't forget to talk to them about the fact that they have an ashama. They have a soul. And that soul is part and parcel of God himself. Don't forget to tell them where they come from. Because if they don't know where they come from, they won't know where they're going. If they don't know where they're going... They are lost. And if they are lost, they will become lost in the great confusion of life. 
and will become one of the great unknown. This is Vayechi. Vayechi tells us this is the clarity of life. You want to live. You want to live even in the most challenging situations, as we all do. Whether it's a personal challenge, whether it's a communal challenge, whether it's a national challenge, whether it's a historical challenge, we live with challenges. Life is synonymous with challenges. And challenges make us greater. Challenges make us better. Challenges simply evoke an inner strength and show us that we have greater powers and greater abilities. This is what we are all about. And this is why Jacob teaches his children who they are. Because he knows they're going in to a cycle of slavery and they have to have courage and strength and the ability, the faith, the wisdom to survive. And not only to survive, but to thrive in that challenging set of circumstances. And this is why when you take a look next week when we start the book of Exodus, or for those who will be in Shul on Shabbos at Mincha, and they will begin to hear the first story. How does it all begin? These are the names of the children who came down to Egypt. The link with the past. The names of the children. These are the same. It's hundreds of years later. But these are the ones that came down and they passed that message on. Yes, many were lost. But the legacy continued despite the best efforts of those who tried to destroy us physically. This is the story. This is the story of the Jewish people. It's an ongoing story. It's a wonderful story. It's a story of bravery. It's a noble story of heroism. It's a story of greatness. It's a story that, well, we should be proud of every single moment. We should be proud that we are the heroes of that story. We make that story. We're part of that story. And why are we part of that story? Because of the blessings that Jacob gave his sons. So when you're in shul tomorrow, if you go to shul tomorrow, yes, you gotta stay healthy, stay safe, shul's a safe place, wear your mask, social distancing, here in shul tomorrow, listen to the parsha carefully, tells us some wonderful episodes, the story of Joseph and his father, Joseph's two sons, how the father calls his twelve sons and blesses each and every one of them, the entire last parsha in the book of Genesis is fascinating. Listen to it carefully, as I always say. Listen to that part which talks to you personally. Listen to that part which talks to you individually. Listen with your heart, listen with your soul, listen with your mind, but listen, listen as you yourself is listening to a story that's talking to you. And when it comes to the end, stand up with everybody else in shul and call out, Chazak, Chazak, and this Chazak, be strong, be strong. And let's strengthen each other. Good job.